When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The creators of wagertainment. We bring you none of the hot take BS. We bring you bets. We bring you sports. I don't care about bragging rights. It just introduces more volatility into the equation. I don't care about victory laps. Stop it. Please stop it. <laughs> Throw the football into the floor. The BetQL Network presents your favorite handicapper's favorite handicapper ken barkley if i have an opinion i'm just gonna go put money on that thing happening and your host nick costos every single play of every single game impacts you in some way shape or form it's you better you bet presented by betmgm welcome into you better you bet presented by betmgm pj glasser alongside ken barkley I'm filling in for Nick Costos today. who will be back tomorrow. It's going to be a fun next four hours here on the BeckQL Network. You can watch us over on twitch.tv slash BeckQL. We'll also be on YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. You can listen to us on Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205. We're going to talk a lot of college basketball today. We're going to do some locketology. Ken has created a bracket. I am extremely excited. We're going to break down all these hypothetical matchups. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Isaac Trotter is going to join us for some college hoops talk as well at 4 p.m. And then our guy, Alex Christensen Noops, is going to talk to us at 5 p.m. So it's going to be a fun show. Ken, great to see us. Haven't seen you since uh, we got back from from Vegas. How you right. been? How was your uh, How was your vacation? All good? It was good. Yeah. The, yeah. The week off was, uh, I feel re- recharged and, uh, it's been a weird week with like no NBA going on. And we, we did a lot on this yesterday show. Just when you come off football season and you go into this week, it's just like night and day in terms of how much is going on. And, and you're, you're a bigger college basketball person than I am. So for me, like I've had to really start grinding to get back into this thing, like starting from a knowledge base of zero, Really, I mean, I, I knowledge base of like the you know last year and the year before is really high, but like anything that's happened this year is is zero. And so, trying to like learn and watch, but really learn about who the teams are and like oh, like they they are that and like that's how they started and they have this injury or like even some of the coaches still. I'm like, wait, that guy's like the fact that Chris Beard coaches a college basketball team surprised, surprised me 10 different times over the last month. Cause I always forget. And then I'm reminded of it again, just there's stuff that like you just forget or you never knew to begin with. And, uh, and so, yeah, even just the last few days I've kind of been getting up to, uh, getting up to speed on like, who is, who is where, and therefore like, is, does that make me want to make a bet or not? And so I, I ended up watching the games PJ last night, the set, like the Virginia, Virginia tech game, I would say I watched it like it was on the television while I was eating my dinner and while I was on the phone. 
but it was I would not I would not say I watched it because it was a pretty terrible basketball game. But I yeah. uh, I did watch a lot of Houston Iowa State, which I guess was entertaining in like an energy way, but like a defensive grind fest of a game for a lot of it. Uh, you know, especially the first half. But I I've, I've just kind of started watching it. So I, how did your uh, how did your night last night go with the games? And I'm sure you watched everything that was going on. Yeah, I did. I was uh, I was hosting BetMGM tonight with Ryan Horvat. So it was oh, interesting the way betting. the nights. Yeah, yeah, live betting. So we had Kyle Busch in the Daytona 500. So that in itself was like try, <laughs> trying to understand like how the stage is working. Yeah. And then there was like a big crash and we were trying to figure out while we were like interviewing somebody. We were in the chat making sure that like he avoided it. Obviously, he didn't win. So that bet uh, went out the window. And then I had the under in uh, Iowa State, Texas or oh. Iowa State, Houston, excuse me. So that was fun when they went like yeah. 12 for 19 from three-point range in the second half, and that went over the total. How so many points were scored in the second half? It was like 90, right? It was like yeah, a crazy it was, amount. Some really it was a ton. Amount. Yeah, it was yeah. a ton. At, at one point, the live total was like 118 and a half, and I got the total like 131 and a half, and then it ends up going over that. Um, and then I had Texas uh, minus the eight and a half against Kansas State, and K-State lost by six. Both of those big yeah. 12 games last night, Ken, like came down right to the wire with the spread. Iowa State hit that free throw at the end to cover the eight and a half. And then Kansas State and Texas were like hovering around the number for the final couple of minutes. So, I mean, that's that's college basketball. That's that's just what makes it tough. Like those swings at the end, the free throws, the three pointers. It was it was probably a good night just to like not bet unless you had Virginia Tech, because that was like you said, that was not a good yeah. game and uh, they just blowed them out. But Tonight is going to be a good slate. I'll know I know we're get to our picks uh, at the end of the yeah, show, sure. but uh, yeah, some some good games. When do you really start like locking in to college basketball? What you say? Like obviously we got football, and then kind of how much of a period would you say you give yourself when football ends, and then you start really diving into college basketball? Uh, I think it's changed a lot, honestly. And uh, I I had Virginia Tech last night, so I that was good. And I, I I am betting pennies on these games versus like the other stuff that i do because again like i'm just it's like i'm the guy showing up and everybody already knows everything i'm like what's going on guys basketball yeah this is great like tell me tell me about these teams and so like the idea that i'm making like an informed educated bet doesn't feel like it right now um but at the same time i had Vodtech and k-state so i like won both of these really so i just like just got very lucky probably i probably probably don't really know what i'm doing and uh it's changed though. Like when I, I, I used to PJ, I used to be you really in, in some ways. Like I, I, this used to be my thing. And like when I worked at ESPN for a long time, I feel like I used to mention every five seconds, but I probably don't mention it as much now. Uh, you know, you, you would work in an environment. So, you know, I would work nights and, uh, you know, on Van Pelt sports center or other shows before that. And you would have access to just these like walls of televisions where you would sit and work. I mean, this is everybody right now wants like, all right, not even once probably has built some kind of like man cave, right? This was, this is like a phenomenon of the last like 10 to 20 years. Everybody's got their spot with like four TVs and they've got all the games on and you tweet a picture of where you watch the games. And it's like, everybody wants that environment. Well, like I had it as my job where I would just have like 19 screens in front of me and, and every game coming in via satellite and, and you could watch everything. So when you have that kind of access and this happened to me like in the 2010s, when you have that kind of access, like, and you can watch everything and consume everything and it's easy, man, I was watching 
every college basketball. I just, I, I knew so much because I just, I'm like a visual learner. Once I've, if I've seen a game, I can recall it really, really, really well. But if it like, you know, a game before I was born, even if I've read about it, I won't remember it very well. But if I, if I've seen it like actually with my eyes, then it's just, it's in my brain and I can recall like plays and shots and and everything that happened the telecast who called the game and uh and so i i was that was me like for a decade of just like consuming 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 and so i would be i would get so into it so the answer to your question would be like you know november 8th or whenever the first <laughs> set of games was like i just you know it's like midnight madness and then you know you have they used to do the 24 hours of college basketball on espn oh, that used to be like a huge that. initiative I was, i'm sure that was your jam hawaii 4 a.m ken that, five, that was that, that hawaii 5a or like the, the the whatever the colonial like seven a. I had a friend that went to like Ryder, played at seven a.m. on the twenty four hours, and he like went because he had just gotten yeah. out of work. And I was like, "You're nuts!" And then I watched the game. So yeah, you, you used to be on the twenty four hours. Oh, that was Hawaii at four a.m. It'd usually be like a New Jersey school at like six a.m. That would Absolutely. play. Absolutely. You know, you're in school and like you wake up, you're waiting for the bus and like you have college basketball on and then you're at lunch and you got it was it was the best. I don't know why they've gotten away from that, but uh, loved the 24 hours. That was fantastic. Absolutely. And, and, well, and, yeah. And so, you know, so it's like, all right, well, like, did you used to know a lot about the sport? I, I used to feel like I knew everything about the sport, just and not like that, you know, the crystal ball, like I can tell you who's going to win because like betting, it's much different, but just, you know the history of each team through their season, every game that they played, what happened in the game, uh, you know, just like basic analysis type stuff. Yeah. Cause I would have to like produce highlight content for those games, video content for those games for, for sports center. And so you just, yeah, you know, it would all, it would all come into the brain and then, you know, whatever. So we'd, whatever would come out would be, here's what we should show on the show that night. And once I, once I left, it's just your access goes down or it's more difficult, right? Like, yeah, I mean, we have ESPN plus you can watch a million games, but like I, I don't have six TVs in one room. I actually have three in this room, which was a lot a while ago and is now like nothing versus what other people have. But you still like it's work like to get them to consume everything and get it going at the same time. And it's and I remember this used to be my job. Like I used to work at night getting paid to do this. Now, like if I have this job and it's nighttime, I'm not getting paid to watch college basketball and I could do anything else. Like I could play with my kids. I could like hang out with my wife. And so the incentive just isn't there. And so every single year since I feel like I didn't work there anymore, the amount that I consume has just gone down and down and down and down and down where, um, you know, like I just watch less in the regular season, but I, the one thing that you and I still share, and it's why I'm so happy that you're hosting today. And we're going to do a couple more shows. I think as, uh, as we get closer to St. Patrick's day, which is selection Sunday, you and I both just share like an incredible love of the NCAA tournament. It's still probably my favorite sporting event. It's my favorite sporting event. And I don't even watch the regular season games anymore. And it's still my favorite sporting. It's just, I'll watch a ton of championship week. I'll learn a ton about the teams. I've already done that a lot this year. And it's just that, that vibe, the selection Sunday and the show, the CBS music, the first game on Thursday at noon, like these mm -hmm. landmark things where you just in your brain, there's like a dopamine rush when you hear these like certain triggers, right? And it's just, and they're just the best. I mean, it's just the best. And we're close to another one. So even though I don't watch a lot anymore, don't get, don't prep a lot anymore. Uh, you and I definitely still share a brain in terms of the tournament. Ken, all my friends know if they uh, want to get married in March, they can do that. I just won't attend. So that's that's on <laughs> right. them. If, if, you well, know I get what I mean? On like, Wednesday. 
That's yeah, fine. I'm going to get on a Wednesday night. Yeah, they certainly there. could. But uh, that's the joke with me and all my friends. They know if they if they want to get married in March, then you know I hope they have a great life together. But probably not going to be there. I'm so with you though. I mean, Selection Sunday, the first two days of the tournament. There's nothing better. So I'm interested. Like, obviously, you don't watch as much college hoops regular season yeah. as you did when you kind of dive back into it like are there are there certain things like immediately that you kind of look for to kind of get a read on like some of these teams like do you go to Ken Palm right away or do you kind of like look at your rankings right away and see how these teams maybe how their spreads have differed throughout the year like what are some of the things that you kind of get yourself started when you get back into college hoops it's a, it's a great question and uh and it's and that's changed too right because if you watch less then you you got to do more legwork to to get up to speed you got to you got to get kind of more more well read on the subject if you're not going to watch as many games and you know you you and I talked about this a little off air like i uh i have a really 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 healthy respect for history in sporting events and specifically who wins the championship title, whatever you want to call it in every league, every sport. I just, I really, really try to like anchor myself, honestly, in what has come before and what we can learn from it. And then cool. Like what, what's different, like rule changes, you know, NIL in college, for example, is probably going to mess up a bunch of stuff like historically that would have been true, especially with like the college football playoff expanding. That'll be a big change that you'll have to account for when you bet that sport next year. But I just I really I, I often feel like we ignore history uh, every year in every sporting event for who's going to win the title at our own peril. When we make bets, we get too wrapped up in something maybe uh, in the NFL we got really wrapped up in that the Niners and the Ravens were great regular season teams, and we ignored at our own peril the history of how Patrick Mahomes has played in the playoffs. Um, you know, maybe not a perfect example there, but something like that that I think makes sense. Um, you know, we ignore uh, we. I think honestly, we we put too much emphasis on some things that happen in the regular season, and we ignore that in basically every sport the postseason works differently, and in college basketball it's no different. I mean, it's really not different. You can there are teams. Uh, and we'll talk about some of them. And I, not to get into detail here, I would say Houston would be a team that would be pretty interesting when viewed through this prism of uh, one of the great regular season college basketball teams of the decade. And uh, and yet one Final Four appearance, and we can talk about how they got there, uh, and no other Final Four appearances to show for it, and some pretty stunning exits, actually, when you kind of go back and look at it and how it happened. Um you know, like, okay, is, is that illustrate the difference between the regular season and the postseason? So to answer your question, um, the first thing I do is I actually look at who was really good last year, which maybe people think like that's really dumb. Like, why wouldn't you just look at this year? I, uh, I in basically every sport that I've looked at in every league, um, the previous year's results are extremely impactful and predictive and winning a title in every single sport whether you got 18 year olds or 35 year olds or whatever is uh, no matter what the rules are in your sport, like it's usually some kind of an arc, it's some kind of a trajectory that leads to winning. And that starts multiple years before in some sports, it starts two years before it starts the year before whatever, every sport it's different, but it's usually like an arc. And, uh, and in college basketball, it's no different. The one you and I have talked about this offline a little bit, but the, the one thing I'll say is one thing that always holds true and it makes a lot of sense is, you never get worse than you were the year before and then win the title. 
it never it, it's never happened. Um, every team that's won college basketball in modern history, really, uh, maybe even since tournament expansion, is a better version than they were the year before. And so, you know, if you were the fifth best team, and then this year you're the eighth best team, you're worse. And using historical parameters, you will not win. And that's a pretty small margin, obviously, fifth and eighth. But I think people get the idea. It's just it holds true all the time. And it speaks to that trajectory. Like, you know, UConn last year was tournament team. And then they were a five seed tournament team. And then they were a monster. And then they won. And this year, they're a bigger monster, which is really scary. Um, so I think just like a couple examples of some things that I think will be interesting as we go through the show. And I think it's something that you've really opened my eyes to. You know, I think when people think about March Madness, they just think of the randomness of it all. And they really don't think that you can kind of use any like historical data or any trends or, you know, any kind of numbers game to help you. But you certainly can. And we're going to get into some of that. We're going to kick things off with Lockatology coming up. D-Gen Corner, Purdue, a number one seed. What could go wrong? We'll break that down. P.J. Glasser, Ken Barkley. You better you bet presented by BetMGM. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM <laughs> on the BetQL network. To a five-point game. Braden Smith on the drive. Yes! Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. PJ Glasser filling in for Nick Costos alongside Ken Barkley. You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM. We're on the BetQL Network. You can listen and watch us on twitch.tv slash BetQL. We're also on YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. You can listen to us for free on the Odyssey app. We're also on Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205. Ken, it is time for some Lockatology. Oh. I am so excited. I was prepping. Yeah. For my show, send it in this morning. And, you know, it goes off at 1 o'clock. He sent the email around probably like 10 a.m. or something. I'm prepping for the show. And I opened up that email. I was sidetracked for like 30 minutes. How am I of supposed course. to talk about the Cincinnati Reds today when we have like a New Mexico-Florida 8-9 matchup? So I couldn't be more excited. That game's coming up a little bit later. We'll start with D-Gen Corner and Purdue right now, the number one overall seed obviously losing on Sunday to Ohio State. They would get the winner of Merrimack and Eastern Kentucky. I kind of thought yeah, Mike Brown didn't say anything today. I go, I bet he's like pushing to get the graphics done. I bet he's like going to have them. And I was like, even though he didn't tell me, I was like, I bet he's going to have them. This makes me so happy. I was going to have to like send people to the Twitter page. This is so good. If, people are, you, every, if you're listening to the show, you got to watch the show now. Like you're gonna Have you're gonna to. get all the help in the world with what you want your bracket to look like and and what this is this is the best guess about what the bracket would be right now. This is bracket matrix seated in a way where you don't have any conflicting matchups like second round, same conference, or, you know, I think I got most of the teams that played already this year. I think I got most of those out of there. So this is like a pretty authentic, like this is what it would be if uh if the season and you said Purdue number one overall. I think I have UConn number one overall, but like Purdue, the number one seed in this region. It's like the whatever. Okay. It's just it's February. It doesn't really matter the semantics right. anymore. But I uh, I can't believe we have the brackets, PJ. This is great. Sorry, go ahead. 
No, this this is fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, as everybody can see on your screen right there, Purdue, the number one seed. They would get the potential winner if they do win uh, against Florida Atlantic or Texas. But, Ken, I just think uh, most people, obviously, Purdue is going to be such a big topic of discussion once sure. we get into March. They're going to draw the comparisons to Virginia being the only one seeds to lose to a 16. They're going to be a one seed likely yet again. My angle on Purdue, I'm not going to bet any futures with them. And look, they very well could go to the Final Four. They very well could win the national championship. I'm not going to have any money on them. I got to see them do it. I got to see them prove to me that they can do it. My angle that I'm going to take on Purdue, Ken, I can't wait for the first round matchup against whatever 16 seed they draw. I'm going to take the 16 seed in the first half against Purdue. Oh. I'll never for, I'll never forget. And that happened to Virginia? Year, yes, they played Gardner the Webb. Year. The yeah. second year. I'll never forget. They played Gardner Webb in the first yeah. half and Gardner Webb was up like double time? digits. Right? Yeah. I, they were up. They were up double. They might have been losing at halftime, but I know for sure Gardner <laughs> Webb was up double digits. And Ken, every yeah. Twitter was blowing up. People were like, "Like this can't happen again." Like surely, and I feel like the same thing's going to happen to Purdue, where I think whatever team they play is going to get off to a nice little start, and everybody's going to be like, "Is Purdue? Re are they really going to do this again?" Because <laughs> at the end of the day, like it is Matt Painter, this is what sure. they do oh, against sure low seeds. Yeah. You know, it's going to be a big first half number. So I cannot wait to see who they get in the first round. Whatever 16 seed it is, I'm going to take them in the first half yeah sure let's i'll give you my thought on purdue and then maybe we do the rest of the region there are two mm -hmm. other teams in this region that i think are interesting for a few reasons uh not even like that they would win the region just like where they're seated and people should be thinking about them so purdue is going to be a team uh that is going to produce extremely strong opinions on both sides because on a sheet of paper uh you will you'll never find anything that says they shouldn't be a, a contender to win the national championship. They're going to be one of the best teams in the country. They're going to be balanced. They're going to have a two-time national player of the year. Like they're going to look like a team that you're going to want to have go really far in your bracket. And this is where like, not even the subjectivity of the tournament comes in, but like the, I don't know, like domain knowledge, the nuance of the tournament comes in because like, sorry, your coach is the worst coach in NCAA tournament history. Probably uh, Bart Torvik measures, is a, a website people use and there are great college basketball resources which like the super fans all know like ken palm and bart torvik and evan maya and like all this stuff like this is all like this is stuff is all great torvik has this thing where it's it's coach performance against expectation and boy there are some dreadful coaches that we're going to talk about in this field in terms of doing that um two of them are actually in this region and the other one everybody thinks is good and he's not and it's the it's shaka smart on marquette but like mm -hmm. purdue is they're like the poster rick barnes used to be the poster child forever for like well the team's really good but in the tournament it's rick barnes and like even in the in the 2000s people were saying this and it was 20 years ago and like matt painter's the evolution of that I mean, he's like the final boss of this thing because like you can't come up with a situation that hasn't happened to him and where he has gotten upset like it's happened to him every round every uh, every conceivable matchup like he's like he's lost to a 16 in the first round he's lost to a 13 in the first round he lost to st peter's in a with a week to prepare he lost to st peter's on a thursday night like i just it's so like yes they can win and people can do the virginia example and i guess it's valid because tony bennett's one of those guys too grady won the title and then last year he lost to Furman. 
like a, which continues like an 11 year span of losing to a bad team, except the year that they won the title. So like your case for Painter is like, well, if Tony Bennett can do that and then keep losing to bad teams and not even bad teams, keep losing the teams that they're a heavy favorite over, then Matt Painter could do it. Uh, I guess my point would just be at a low price. Would you ever bet on it? Like, yeah, he could win and they could win just like a lot of teams could win. Would you would you bet on it if they're the third favorite or the second favorite? Uh, I wouldn't. And I have like some criteria that I keep to myself because if I share them, then everyone's going to use them and then they won't be mine anymore. And one of the criteria that I have essentially crosses off Purdue and says that there would be a historical outlier to win the tournament um, with their team composition. So like I have that and I have Painter and I have like Painter's history in the tournament. Uh, I am a hard pass on Purdue. I will have $0 on them to win the tournament. Uh, at no point during the tournament will I bet them to win it. That doesn't mean they can't make a deep run. The path could open up. A lot of things could happen. But dollars into the futures market on Purdue to win, uh, I will have 0 Yeah, no, I'm in complete agreement with you there. So they're the one seed in DGen corner. Ken, you said there were two other teams that uh, caught your interest in this region as well. What were the other uh, two teams? Yeah, so I'll uh, I'll just go. You did this, the first pod, right? Which is Purdue against a sixteen and FAU Texas. For the benefit of the, just the audio only audience, I'll read a couple of these off. But FAU Texas, the eight nine, which is like a great game, but I we can't talk about it yet. Um, Wisconsin is the five. They've been obviously like a, a funny team this year, like off to a great start, kind of like a remarkable bad stretch in Big Ten play where I feel like nobody knows what this is going to be the rest of the year. They would play mm-hmm. Grand Canyon right now, uh, who would be a twelve. And there'll be two 12s that I would just draw people's attention to. And look, this will not be a unique opinion. You will get this from everybody. But the way the tournament works, everyone's going to be on a couple teams and everyone's going to be right. That's actually usually how it works with teams that are like that good. And Grand Canyon's one of them. Uh, I think it's pretty telling that like I, I try to use kind of a consensus power rating. I have a couple people that do ratings that aren't public and I, I talk to them and then I get like a couple of the public ones that everybody knows and I kind of aggregate them and that's where these numbers come from. And I, I would make Wisconsin only four against Grand Canyon right now. And I got to be honest, I would bet Grand Canyon to win the game. Uh, they just strike me as like kind of the 12, 13 metric darling, extremely well coached, good team. Uh, Bryce Drew coaches the team this year. They lost two games. And uh, mm-hmm. that would be, I think, whoever they draw doesn't have to. It's not about Wisconsin, honestly. They could draw anybody. Um, and uh, you'll hear this from a lot of people because it's because I think they're right. This is not a, an opinion unique to me. Um, I would just if you're like me and you're kind of running in like, wait, what's going on this year? Like, who's good? I would immediately have Grand Canyon as the team where like Selection Sunday, who are they against? Okay, as long as it's not like a way underseated, you know, um, amazing team or something, then uh, then I would be looking to play them in an upset, uh, especially like money line, dog price, whatever's being offered in the market. I completely agree. Uh, Grand Canyon is a 12 seed that I would watch. You said it. Bryce Drew's their head coach. Whenever I'm back in mid majors, I always like just like good, solid coaches who've kind of proven themselves yeah. at a power five level. Bryce Drew was great. With uh with Vanderbilt the one year he was there and then things kind of took a turn but they score yeah, I mean <laughs> things happen uh he's a great they average, now. what do you want yeah, exactly uh they average eighty point seven points per game so they can score and this matchup specifically can like if they go up against a Wisconsin if they go up against a Clemson if they go up against yep. a team that plays at like a slower pace they've beaten San Diego State and Liberty this year you're talking about two defensive minded teams that play at a slower pace so I always like looking at that stuff. 
these mid-majors in their non-conference, who are the teams that they play, who are the kinds of teams that they had success against, and Grand Canyon has played two hard-nosed teams that are really good on defense, that take care of the ball, that shoot the ball late in the shot clock, like that's that's Wisconsin. Even though they've had a better year offensively under Greg Gard than what you're accustomed to seeing uh, throughout the years, they, they're kind of coming back down to earth a little bit. You mentioned the struggles recently in Big Ten play, so certainly that's a matchup that we get. Uh, I would like Grand Canyon, but they are definitely a 12 seed to remember. I think the 4-13 matchup too, Ken, is so good. Auburn, Samford, anytime we get one of these like in-state games, right? Sure. Like where you get two teams from the state of Alabama. I remember when Wichita State played Kansas, when you had Marshall against West Virginia, like the dogs won in both of those cases. I'm telling people right now, if there's a name in the coaching world you're going to want to get familiar with, it's Bucky McMillan for Samford. Ken, I think he could be like the next Nate Oates, and it's comparable to like kind of the path that he's taken. He coached, obviously going to school at the University of Alabama. I kind of know like of Bucky in some of these schools. Yeah, of course. And he was at, um, he did a really good job at Mountain Brook High School, like won a bunch of championships with them, turned them into a powerhouse. Then he got this job in uh, in Birmingham with Sanford, and they've just significantly gotten better year after year. They were 21 and 11 overall the last two seasons. They were 15 and 3 in conference play last year. And now this year they're 23 and 4, 12 and 2 in conference play. They score like 88 points a game. So again, like this guy just reminds me so much of Oates. He kind of started in the high school ranks, then he took the mid-major job like Oates did with Buffalo. And if you remember what Nate Oates did with Buffalo was they played in the 4-13 game against Arizona, a team that a lot of people liked and they pulled off that upset, would not shock me in the slightest if Sanford pulled off this upset against Auburn. So, uh, yeah, Bucky McMillan, the name to watch. This Sanford team can really score. And if they get to play against, like, Auburn or Alabama and you get one of those, like, in-state matchups, I just – it always gravitates me towards the underdog in a matchup like that. So, really, uh, really like Sanford in that game, too, plus the points. What was the name of that high school? Mountain Brook High School? Was that Mountain Brook? Yeah. Did did you did, was that like one of your rival high schools or something? Or like did you know about no, like I, well, how did you know about no, Mountain Brook my, High School? No, my roommate actually went to Mountain Brook, so that's how I knew of it. I mean, this just like this is this is already my favorite show of the year, <laughs> just because of this segment. <laughs> I just like like PG just gave you like four minutes on Bucky McMillan. I just I love this show. I really do. <laughs> um just like one of us and just like we all get to come together and do a show about this stuff. It's just really fun. Uh, it's really cool. Uh, Sam, Sam was the third team that I had circled to talk about and you did an infinity times better job talking about them than I could. Um, yeah, look like Bruce Pearl at a huge number is going to be a, probably a play against depending on the who the underdog is in uh, in a lot of situations in the NCAA tournament. Um, even the year that they made the final four. Um, people will probably forget that in their first round game, they played, I believe, New Mexico State uh, in a 4-13, actually, I think. I think they were about six and a half and had to dodge like three game winner attempts from the dog in that game. I think it was New Mexico State and Auburn survived and then ends up going on. They beat North Carolina in the Sweet 16. They end up going on to, to make the final four. Um, so like they're just. I kind of always have them on my writers like a big favorite play against has to be the right underdog, but they're good. I'll pick another team then and start this. And then we go to break. We'll talk about the, uh, the end uh, Nate Oates 2.0. And that's just, just like Bucky McMillan got like three minutes. And it's like for good reason, because if they end up winning their conference and they make the tournament, I agree with you. Uh, I, them and grand Canyon being on the same bracket is actually crazy. And like could produce a 
team. Uh, yeah. I'll talk about Kentucky. Get it? Kentucky's the six in this uh, mm-hmm. mock region. Uh, Butler in the first round here, Bucked. Uh, Iowa State is the three opposite them. Utah State, Mississippi State, and then Marquette's the two at the bottom of this region. And I would just tell people that uh, I think there was a lot of interest in Kentucky at the start of the year for good reason. Ton of good recruits, NBA level talent. This is nothing new with Calipari. Um, I understand that the expectations were really high. Uh, to me, the hay is in the barn with them. If you're not really good by now, it doesn't happen in the tournament. You don't want to be the hot team in the last three to four weeks of the year. That was Duke last year. They lost to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Everybody was probably bet Duke in that game because everybody did and probably bet him in the second half too and they got worked. So like they, Kentucky has a chance to create a valuable betting opportunity. And this will sound so galaxy brain, but I mean it. They have a chance to create a good betting opportunity by being really good for the next month so that I can bet against them. Like this is uh, this team. I think I got this team nailed. I think they might kill it down the stretch here finally and like realize the expectations and I'll be hard against them because we see it every year and these teams never do anything. Especially after that big win against Auburn, Ken, right? It's got everybody believing now, and uh, I'm with you. They're one of those paper tigers that you like to talk about. We'll break down those teams and move on to Moron Island. You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM, PJ Glasser, Ken Barkley. ESPN on the call for that one. PJ Glasser, Ken Barkley, You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM. Wrapping up hour number one, and then we're going to move over to stadium for hour number two. Be with you guys on stadium from 4 to 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Continuing with Lockatology, we're wrapping up our conversation with DJ Corner. And uh, Ken, I mean, we were talking all fair, like, the the seeds, I mean, the teams in this region are just so yeah. fascinating. So, again, for people just tuning in, the listening audience, if you're not watching on Twitch or YouTube, uh, Purdue, the number one seed in this region, would get the winner of Merrimack or Eastern Kentucky in Lockatology. Then Florida Atlantic and Texas in a pick would be the 8-9. Wisconsin over Grand, uh, Grand Canyon in the 5-12. Auburn and Sanford in a really fun game in state in Alabama, 4-13. Kentucky would be the six against Butler, the 11. Iowa State, who's a team that a lot of people are kind of liking right now. They're the three seed against Louisiana Tech, the 14. Utah State, Mississippi State, the 7-10. And then Marquette, once again, a two seed, uh, 16-point favorites over high points. So, Ken, your thoughts, uh, again, your closing thoughts on Kentucky and then I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Iowa State and Marquette, too. Sure. Iowa State, like I said, it feels like a lot of people kind of want to bet Iowa State. They're kind of the team that a lot of people are gravitating towards, maybe that surprise team who could make a Final Four run. And then Marquette, um, I mean, really outside of that Final Four run, the Chaka Smart hat with VCU, he he really is a good guy to fade in the tournament. Yeah, so people want to, I think correctly, like you give Chaka Smart a lot of credit for the VCU run. Like, I, I'm a Richmond alum. That was a year where both teams made the tournament, and they actually had the chance to play in the regional final, which was crazy. Like, it would have been – I would have said it would have been awesome in the state of Virginia, but not enough people care for it to have been awesome. But it would have been really – as someone who went to one of the schools, um, and then Kansas absolutely bulldozed Richmond in the Sweet 16, and then VCU won and then beat them to uh, to reach the Final Four. Of course, you give Shaka Smart a ton of credit for that. That was That's one of the great tournament runs that any high seed has ever had, any double-digit mm-hmm. seeds ever had. And then, but like, if I do that, I also then can't ignore every single thing that happened at Texas and last year against Michigan state in the second round when he was the coach of Marquette. So it's like, all right, like great run. Also 
consistently are you getting a lot in the tournament from this guy? Have you gotten a lot from him since the magical run? You've gotten zero, basically, over that period of time. And uh, and so I, I think, you know, him as a two seed is kind of interesting for that reason. Also, you have a region with like Matt, Matt Painter, <laughs> uh, Shaka Smart, Bruce Pearl, and Calipari in the same region. I mean, it's just like we were talking off air and you just go, I mean, you could talk yourself into some crazy stuff here when you get these mixtures of teams. I mean, this is exactly the same kind of region that produced Florida Atlantic making the final four last year. Purdue had to lose to Early Dickinson for that to happen. I actually think Marquette was the two in that region. They lost to Michigan State. I'm actually positive that that happened. K-State was the three. They played Michigan State. Uh, and then FAU obviously gets the cakewalk second round game because of the 116 upset. But like it took the 116 upset for them to really catch fire from like a, a probability standpoint and make it. So you need those upsets. God, I think wasn't Kentucky in that region too? Weren't they the six? They were. And then Duke, Tennessee, yeah. you had Rick Barnes. Duke, Tennessee was the four or five in that region too. Yeah. I just, so I remember like it, you need a certain setup, like a certain cocktail to get the crazy final four team a lot a lot of times it's usually not that they beat every good team it's because they got a lot of help and man this is a region that seems like it could give you a lot of help in terms of you if you like I, we were talking off air i go why couldn't florida atlantic win this region again like what who scares you here purdue would be the scariest game the second round game and then after that like wisconsin auburn and eh, like marquette marquette's never even to make it to that game probably so we're gonna play iowa state who's really good um but just you know Florida Atlantic's at least got a puncher's chance in that game, probably better. Um, that my last thought on Kentucky, who's the sixth in this region, would just be because they're in the news, obviously, because they beat Auburn on Saturday. They were a huge dog in the game, played probably their best game of the season, have a ton of unrealized potential because of the talent and recruiting on the team. Just what I would just, again, emphasize here, because I we just didn't have a lot of time in the last break, a dynamic in the NCAA tournament that is extremely consistent with very limited exceptions is essentially if you cut the season into two parts and you rate teams up to February 15th, I basically, I pick a data point that's like always going to be at least one month until selection Sunday. And so you measure teams up to February 15th and then you essentially measure them in the the season's final month. The team that's like not great until February 15th and then gets really good for the final month of the season. And, and this is when we're all watching, right? This is when we're all like, oh, look at look at that team. Like, here they come. Got a better, like the hot team down the stretch. I think people think it works like baseball, where if you're like the hot team going into the postseason, you just, like that carries you to win the title. It's actually the exact opposite. And this is measurable. And like, you don't want to be the, like, well, it's not, you don't want to be the hot team. You don't want to bet on the hot team uh, in the tournament. Last year, there were two teams that fit this description. They were Duke and Kentucky. Neither of them made the second weekend of the tournament. Neither of them. And these were drawing a lot of interest from people because they had played really well down the stretch of the season. Uh, a couple of years ago, Iowa was a team that fit this description with Keegan mm-hmm. Murray. PJ remembered that immediately off the air. I remember that because they played my alma mater, Richmond, in a 5-12, and they got a horrific non-foul call against Murray, and they ended up upsetting Iowa, and they eliminated from the jump. I was a huge favorite in that game. They had played great down the stretch of the season. Uh, Jake's Illini fit this description. I was just they say. went on a huge run and won the Big Ten tournament. They lost to Loyola Chicago in a second round game. This happens all the time. And the best part, the fun part, is it's only February 20th. We don't know who the team is that everyone's going to get talked into. We don't know who it's going to be. But, man, you could not start a final month with a more surprising like talk people into liking you influential result than like 
your opponent hosts college game day. They're awesome. You go to their place and you win as like an eight, eight and a half point underdog. It would not surprise me if Kentucky became that team. Like, I think they played it about the, I think Torvik had them 25th going into February 15th. Let's say they're 10th, 5th, like a top three team in the final, which is totally possible because they're really good. Uh, Monster red flag, hard fade. It just never plays out the way you think it's going to. This is not baseball. It just doesn't play out the way you think it's going to play out. I don't really have a lot of other compelling thoughts on this region, but I would just emphasize that, like, may, and maybe Kentucky's just not that good, and they lose a couple games, in which case this whole point of analysis falls apart. But if they do take the Auburn momentum and really carry it, then I think uh, I think that would be a really good betting opportunity, and it would be to bet somebody else. Yeah, I, I think it's well said. Uh, my overall takeaways from this region is – if Matt Painter and Purdue can't get it done, I mean, if this is their region, like, I, I mean, you know, this is as good an opportunity. Like you said, Chaka Smart, Calipari, Bruce Pearl, Greg Gard, your toughest game probably is going to be that FAU game. And Ken, I don't even know if they would play FAU because they're probably going to be close yeah. to a pick them in that game against Texas. You know, everybody's going to bet FAU and it's the tournament one off shooting night and you could go home. So yeah, this would be a fun region. Certainly, the lower seeds really would intrigue me. I think Grand Canyon and Samford are two of the the higher seeds, the 12 and 13s, that I'm really excited about. Uh, would make it really fun. That is D-Gen Corner. We move on now to Moron Island. Ken, I love these oh, names. Love Moron where, Island. Yeah, love Moron yeah. Island, where Houston is the number one seed going up against Quinnipiac, and then the 8-9 game that I just, oh, man. I don't know if this is the FAU Memphis game from last year. There's another good eight nine game, but this one stood out to me. The Gators and uh, the Lobos minus one. Florida is favored in that matchup, and then the winner likely getting Houston. So, can we start at DJ and Corner talking about Purdue? You talked about Houston at the start, how they have kind of been like one of the better regular season teams of the decade. Only one Final Four appearance to show for it. My take about Houston that I've been given on the network is it just feels like the same Houston team to me. All the I metrics agree. love them. All the metrics love them. All the metrics tell you that they're the team to beat, that they should win the national championship. But, Ken, when they get into a game like they did with Miami last year where their defense can't stop the other team, are they going to be able to win a game in the 80s? Are they going to be able to win in the game in the 90s? I just haven't been able to see anything this year that – definitively can tell me like yes they can win a shootout like that so the number one seed i think they'll survive quinnipiac um and then again that eight nine matchup can like you talk about teams that can score teams that could give them some issue new mexico i think is going to be the team that a lot of people are going to compare to fau this year if they are on that eight nine line a team with a ton of talent like the job that Richard Patino has done, has been really good. It's brought in, you know, obviously he's recruited some of these guys like Mashburn and House have been there, but then he brought over Nelly Jr. Joseph from Iona. Jamal Dent's really good. JT Toppin is a freshman who's excellent. Like, they're, I mean, they got dudes and they can really play. Ken Palm really likes them. So New Mexico is a dangerous team. With that being said, Florida interests me a lot as well. This is Todd Golden's second year in Gainesville. He went into the transfer portal this season and got a lot of guys from the portal. One of those guys being uh, former MAC Player of the Year, Walter Clayton Jr. from Iona. He got Zion Pullen, who's a four-year player from UC Riverside. 
Um, you know, he got a transfer from Seton Hall, Tyree Samuel. So Florida kind of brought in like all these transfers and it's taken them a little bit to get going, but their ceiling's really high and they can score with, uh, with just about anybody in the country. So, uh, like if you're a Houston fan, I think this is a bad eight, nine matchup, not saying they would lose, but these are, I think these teams can, like they would have the DNA of a team that could upset a Houston. Yeah, my and my expectation, just like now kind of getting into this, I think Florida is going to be way off this line by the time we get to the tournament. I think they're probably going to be better in terms of how they're mm-hmm. rated. That would just be my guess. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but just like they're almost like I, they're, they feel like they're going to be too good eventually to be in an 8-9 game. Uh, I'll start Houston here just really briefly, and I'll just say uh, I agree with you. I think there's this Houston team has a lot of the traits of the previous Houston teams. Uh, they don't really have anything that makes them look particularly different. Uh, you think about like when Virginia and Tony Bennett finally won, uh, what did they have? Well, they had a lottery NBA player joining a group of players that returned. They had DeAndre Hunter combined with like a really strong returning cast. And that like almost talent boost made them look a little bit different and a little bit better and a little bit better in close games uh, than they were previously. And I don't really see anything like that when I watch Houston. I see last year's team minus Sasser and everybody's older and walkers in the nba and i see like it's they're really good they're again they're gonna be like Purdue. they're gonna look like a winner and later yep. in the show i can kind of tell you why i don't think they're gonna win yeah no i agree with you hour one in the books you better you bet presented by bet mgm hour number two on the way next will be over on stadium pj glasser ken barkley